On this week's episode, we're going to discuss why the fuel oil market waits with bated breath for an update on U.S. debt ceiling discussions and news from the upcoming OPEC meeting. All this and more on Freight Up. Hello and welcome. My name's Fernanda and I'll be your host as we navigate the seas of freight and commodities. This week's episode will be a bit of a short one because most of our office is off at the SGX Commodity Awards in Singapore. Congratulations to all the winners. But fear not, because you'll still be getting your fuel oil market update and a steel update. First up, your fuel oil update with Archie Smith. Well, today the front sing time spreads have been well offered. We've seen them getting sold down quite a lot. Last trade in seven quarter in the June versus July spread. That's down from 7.75 today. It did touch as low as six and a half. It's down about two bucks on the week. The spreads have, have really been coming down from last week. Today, we opened at 7.75. Well, that was where it settled last night, I should say. We touched 6.50 and we've kind of recovered a little bit, 7.25. But we are seeing that they are well offered. A lot of the market are selling those spreads at the minute. The low sulfur fuel oil cracks, they were kind of jumping around this morning a little bit, but not massive movements there. Pretty flat on the day, give or take 10, 15 cents. I think it's just the market lacking a little bit of direction. I mean, there's definitely more going on in, in the crude than there is the fuel at the minute. What's going on uh, in crude? There's been some comments made by OPEC and more specifically uh, Saudi's energy minister. He made some comments basically telling uh, all the oil short sellers to, to what well, quote unquote, watch out. So OPEC meetings coming up 3rd, 4th of June. Initially, kind of a few weeks ago, people weren't thinking that they'd step in again or that, you know, people were saying, oh, you know, they're not going to change anything. But now, obviously, where crude's been slipping, it's been pretty bearish recently. And now there's been these comments of, you know, the uh, Saudi energy minister going, right, short sellers, we're going to do you in. <laughs> to, to put more colloquially, not so a direct it's not, translation, but, <laughs> yeah, but close. <laughs> um, so now I think a lot of people are taking those comments and being like, okay, right, OPEC are likely. You know, you we don't know until the, to, until the meeting on the third of, uh, slash fourth of June, but people are thinking, right, it might be likely that OPEC are going to slash production even further than they already have. Um, because at the end of the day, oil is still bearish. This can be seen as well with like the, the total net long positions in the ice Brent futures has been absolutely annihilated recently. So there's way less longs, a lot of people short selling, driving the price down. Uh, and obviously, you know, that, that hurts OPEC. So the likelihood of them stepping in or making some changes when that meeting comes around is now more likely than, than what it had been prior to these comments. This afternoon, you know, in more recent news, Brent has been rallying. I think it's to do with these OPEC comments. On the broader spectrum, it, it does remain bearish. There's been hawkish comments by the Fed. People thinking, okay, there's going to be more rate hikes. Another thing to mention as well is the US debt ceiling talks that are still ongoing. The US have said they're basically out of cash or, or uh. <laughs> coming up to the point where they're basically going to be out of cash. They definitely need to agree on whether or not they're going to allow themselves to continue borrowing. Exactly. And and, th- and this is something that the oil market's kind of watching closely. I think, you know, a lot of a lot of speculators and a lot of traders and market participants are kind of sitting on their hands being like, right, what's going on with these debt talks? You know, they've been ongoing a little bit. You know, ever since I started working here beforehand, whenever a debt ceiling crisis happens, you know, my first thought is like, oh, God, 
the military, the pensioners, and now I think, oh God, the fuel oil market. <laughs> it's all, it, it all really is tied in. It all really <laughs> is tied in. That's having a bit of an impact there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as, as far as I'm aware, the talks are still ongoing. Nothing's really been reached. And that just kind of means that people can't really make any plays yet. They're just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. So the market's a little bit directionless. But um, yeah. I, I'd say overall, we are still bearish. But it'd be interesting to see how that plays out down the line, especially as we get closer to the OPEC meeting. A lot of global factors to look out for in the coming days and weeks. Uh, Yeah, 100%. Yeah, there's a few things to keep your eye on. I think that's why oil's been pretty quiet of late, because people are just waiting for this OPEC meeting. You're waiting for this US debt ceiling, and it has kind of lacked direction. We've been pretty, I mean, talking this week alone, we've been pretty range-bound on the crude. I think we've traded between like 73 as a bottom, maybe a little bit higher than that. But uh, this afternoon, we have just broken like the 77 mark. It kind of strikes me that the fuel oil market is a bit more quick to react, I think, to global news. It's almost like the fuel oil market has its own behavior in comparison to other markets. That is definitely a factor to play. I think it's just it's so sensitive to pretty much any kind of like geopolitical topics. So, you know, we see anything change or any major headline that speculation just instantly just goes so far one way or so far the other way. With oil, you've got a lot of you've got a lot of people playing in that market. Yes, obviously, you've got your user end clients your shells, your BPs, your producers, more specifically for FIS, your shipping clients who are who are hedging that, that fuel oil. You know, there's a lot of big players in that market that take large speculative positions as well. Uh, and so, you know, when, when you do get these headlines or these shifts in the geopolitical environment, people will place big trades. And that that's why we see a lot of movement in this market and why it's so quick. The fuel oil, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but the bottom line is it's, it's pretty tied to the, to the price of Brent. And the price of Brent is a reflection of so many factors, you know, inflation, interest rates, supply and demand, basic. You know, it's, it, there's so many things going into it. And I think that's why it can change so quickly and, and so drastically. So it's an exciting market to be a part of. And, you know, volatility is a good thing. You know, it can be a good thing. You listening to this can't quite see this, but you should see the twinkle in Archie's eye <laughs> just now when he was talking his love letter to, to the fuel oil market. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was moving. I'm wiping a tear from my eye. <laughs> all right, Archie. Well, if you haven't already, I think you've convinced our our listeners to view the fuel oil market as romantically as you do. What is uh, your big takeaway for this week? Kind of following on from what I was just saying, more of an overarching point. With a market as volatile as fuel oil that can be so drastically affected by so many scenarios, so many uh, geopolitical moves... I think, you know, now more than ever is is a great time to look into hedging strategies so that you can really, you know, lock in those prices. I mean, specifically for for FIS customers, you know, looking at the marine fuel law, whether that be high or low sulfur marine fuel law, those prices are so dynamic, they can change so quickly. If you've really got a lot of exposure, then, you know, the right hedging strategy can really make a difference. All right, Archie, thank you so much for your update. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Up next, your steel update with Joshua Stern. Hi, Fernanda. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Josh, it sounds like we've had quite a few curveballs thrown at the HRC market recently. What's been happening? Indeed, there have been some crazy developments in the HRC space over the past couple of weeks. The European HRC price continues to be under pressure um, as Chinese HRC prices continue to get hammered down. 
you know, with these Chinese mills now targeting the Southeast Asian markets, we're starting to see those Southeast Asian mills look at exporting out into Europe. There have been rumors of shipments coming in and around about 580 euros um, in and around about July. You know, that coupled with poor demand from the OEM space. Yeah, the future looks pretty bleak on the uh, on the European HRC space, as well as then if we kind of look over to the United States, prices continue to be under pressure there as well. We look forward to today's CRU release. We were down 40 bucks last week. Let's see what happens here. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the recent developments there in the HRC space. So you recently conducted a study with some of our colleagues over at the index providers regarding scrap and rebar's correlation with wire rod. What were some of your findings there? Uh, yes, thanks for bringing that up, Fernanda. Yes, we did do a study in conjunction with our colleagues over there at Platts. They were kind enough to run some tests for us um, and run some correlation studies on scrap rebar and wire rod. So essentially what we were trying to do is figure out, you know, how viable of a hedging product would scrap or rebar be um, for wire rod exposure. As was expected, we came back with correlations for scrap being around 97%, uh, rebar being around 98%, in turn making me pretty comfortable um, to suggest these as kind of, yeah, viable hedging products in conjunction to anybody's wire rod exposure. So we're doing a little bit more tests now to actually go ahead and kind of look at this on, you know, delivery basis out into Northwestern Europe, out into the African market, as well as then, you know, Southeastern Asian markets as well. So Looking forward to do a little bit more research here. Yeah, and just kind of finding out what the correlations are between the actual tradable exchange products and the location-based physical markets as well. I've also just uh, developed a little uh, blog post on this, giving examples on how I would actually go at, go about hedging out wire rod exposure using a steel and scrap contract. So the LME scrap contract was the one that I chose there due to its liquidity basis. And yeah, we're looking forward to sharing this with the public here shortly. So Fernanda, I'll hand that over to you as I know you're going to be the one uh, coordinating all that. But it was a very interesting study. Looking forward to share it with everybody. Wonderful. Thank you so much for the update, Josh. We'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Well, that's it for us this week. For more information, show notes, and to leave a comment, make sure to check out our website, FreightUpPodcast.com. See you next time. See you next time.